This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to do it. You have you do. to do it. It's a, a, a moral obligation. If you don't do it, then a lawyer version of the Kool-Aid <laughs> pitcher man crashes through your door and serves you papers. So. Oh, well, thank you for, for helping us all avert that particular and strange catastrophe today. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I got a strange shape hole in my wall. I'm always having to patch it up. I make this mistake all the time. <laughs> I can't explain why or how, but watch out. Just just watch out. Good advice, Annie. Thank you. You're welcome. Well... <laughs> I never liked Kool-Aid. And I often say that I only have five food or drinks I don't like. I've said it on this show before. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of cheating because one of them is the very wide category of sugary artificial flavors, especially fruity ones, which is why I have some friends who like to pick apart what they see as my illogical arguments. Oh, uh uh-huh. And some people are like, well, why is Dr. Pepper a separate thing? Because Dr. Pepper is grosser and deserves its own. Yeah. It's a level above. But also, it's not fruity. And this is kind of particularly fruity things. I mean, it's a little bit fruity. But but the the primary flavors, I wouldn't say, are necessarily fruit. Right. But it's there. And I can pick up on it. <laughs> oh no, now we're going to laugh every time we do it. Oh no. Um, so I have never liked Kool Aid, and I'm going to take a strong stand and say, I never will. Ah. I, yeah, I do like the, I like the busting in memes of the Kool Aid man. I like that. Oh, well, that's a completely separate issue, really. It is. I, you know, I, I grew up, um, uh, so I, I grew up spending summers with my mother's parents, and uh, Kool-Aid was definitely a staple beverage within that household. Um, so I do have some fond memories 
of Kool-Aid. I'm particular about artificial fruit flavors because some of them, I'm like, why is this? I don't want it. Mm -hmm. Um, Artificial grapes are like that for me. Like, I'm like, why would you produce this flavor? It's terrible. (laughs) There's nothing about it that is not terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really like like a tropical punch kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. That might be it. Maybe I'm just into tropical punch. That could be true. This is a... Okay, I'm going to have to investigate this on my own. I'm seeing some realization. And come back to (laughs) y'all. Yes. Yes. I did have a friend's house. Every time I went over to her house in the summer, she lived on a lake. And when we would come back in and it's we were hot and tired and uh, thirsty and hungry, they would make Kool-Aid and they always made the blue kind. And Mm, mm -hmm. I'm never going to complain about it because it was never in my house. And my favorite part of it was that it was bright blue. Right, Um, sure. Yeah, the flavor, pshaw. But it was cold. <laughs> it was bright blue and cold. So that and was— very cold. A little bit acidic, which is nice also when, you know, you, you want that kind of like drying astringency when it's mm-hmm. when it's hot and you're mm-hmm. thirsty. So. Yes. Apparently, I didn't know anything about the history of Kool-Aid because when I found out it was the official soft drink of Nebraska, I was like, what? <laughs> Nebraska? Nebraska, where uh-huh. they celebrate with a three-day festival each year— there's a frisbee golf tournament. There's cardboard boat races. I'm assuming made out of the cardboard with Kool-Aid packaging. Um, Kool-Aid chugging contest. And the crowning of Miss Kool-Aid. So if anyone's ever been and has pictures, yeah. uh, oh my gosh, please send those our way. Oh, please do. Yeah, there, there's also somewhere in Nebraska um, a, a, a cultural and historical museum that has a display of Kool-Aid historical memorabilia, including one of the first Kool-Aid man suits. <laughs> so if anyone has any experience with that, also please do write in. Yes. I'm very intrigued by Kool-Aid suit. But all right, before I get off the rails <laughs> imagining what that entails, uh, let's get to our question. Mm-hmm. Kool-Aid. What is it? Well, uh, Kool-Aid is a brand of inexpensive, shelf-stable drinks and drink mixes. Uh, the, the latter are the main part of the business, and they're, they're meant to be stirred into water in order to quickly and easily create a flavored and colored beverage. They're heavily marketed toward children and young adults using, in part, the um, memorable character of the Kool-Aid man, mm-hmm. who is an anthropomorphic clear glass or plastic pitcher with arms and legs. His... <laughs> I can, I'm just trying to imagine if you've never seen this, how odd to hear it just described. Yeah, as I was writing this one out, I was like, there are some sentences that I'm going to be saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's happening now. <laughs> it is currently occurring, yes. Uh, yeah, so the Kool-Aid man, his face, is drawn um, large on the pitcher, um, sometimes in the very perspiration gathered on the pitcher's sides. And his pitcher is full. Um, It it is full of what we presume is red Kool-Aid plus ice. Oh, I've never really wondered about that. I had not until I wrote that down, and now I can't get it out of my head. (laughs) He's a pitcher totally full. Totally fool, totally fool kind of mascot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And sometimes he wears clothes, but sometimes not. Oh, you're right. Oh, we are going to talk about that more a little bit later. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) But, okay, all right, back to the food product. Uh, so so these, um, the, the, the mixes come in sweetened and unsweetened varieties. Uh, you're meant to add your own sugar or, you know, other sweetener to the unsweetened ones. And their line currently offers powdered mixes and liquid concentrates. The already sugared up powders come in canisters. The unsweetened ones come in these small packets like the size of like a pack of trading cards. Um, and all of these are meant to make uh, batches or pitchers of beverage. The liquid concentrates in a particular line of powdered mixes contain artificial sweeteners and are meant to be added to, like, a single glass of water kind of on the go. <laughs> the brand also sells pre-made beverages in the form of a, a multi-serving plastic bottles. Um, also, 
jammers, which are single-serving pouches that you stick a straw into, you know, like a, like Capri Sun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, bursts, which are single-serving, uh, easy-open, soft plastic bottles. Um, they've got that little kind of like like twisty, twisty, breaky off top. Oh, yeah. That always reminded me of Shredder from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know why. <laughs> like, like kind of his hat, sort of? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I see you. Okay. Uh, and um, and then sparklers, which are a pretty new product. They're they're canned carbonated beverage um, that seems to be marketed to like a slightly older set and based on the popularity of like Lacroix and stuff like that. <laughs> okay, all right, uh-huh. uh, yeah. that's funny to me, but uh, yeah, sure. why not though? Yeah, why of course, not? <laughs> why not? Um, and, and yes, the, the flavors involved here are fruity. Um, you've got straightforward flavors like a cherry, grape, orange, watermelon, green apple, black cherry, pink lemonade, strawberry, kind of one-two combo flavors like, um, uh, strawberry kiwi, strawberry lemonade, peach mango, cherry limeade, lemon lime, kiwi lime, um, and then slightly more, shall we say, esoteric flavors like the aforementioned Tropical Punch, uh, Berry Blue, Blue Raspberry, Blue Raspberry Lemonade, Ice Blue Raspberry Lemonade, Ghoulade, Scary Berry. Ooh. Um, and, of course, Sharkleberry Finn. You can't forget Sharkleberry <laughs> Finn. <laughs> oh, uh, there are also a few um, Aguas Frescas uh, with dual English-Spanish language packaging. Um, those come in flavors of tangerine, mango, pineapple, and hibiscus. Hibiscus. Yeah, yeah, mm. like um, like a like Jamaica, the the hibiscus tea. Oh, nice. Yeah, mm. or that probably isn't pronounced that way, but I've always pronounced it that way. It's probably Jamaica. Oh, there you go. There you go. Spanish. Anyway, um, so uh, most of the Kool-Aid products do rely on artificial flavors and colors to produce their effects, except the sparklers, which use uh, natural flavors and non-artificially produced color agents like vegetable juice and beta-carotene. Well, all right, that's a good segue into Hmm. this question. What about the nutrition? (laughs) Uh, All right, so Kool-Aid is colored flavored water with anywhere from zero to like a whole bunch of sugar added in. Um, I will say that Kool-Aid does, for for most of their products, try to keep the amount of sugar or or like the recommended sugar to be added down a little bit. Like one of their big selling points right now seems to be that the stuff has less sugar than leading sodas. Um, But it varies product to product. Uh, Generally, there's like under 20 grams of sugar per serving, whereas most sodas have over 20. Huh, that surprises me. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, a, a, a note here on artificial flavors and colors and, and non-sugar sweeteners, all of these have seen, of course, their, their share of pushback and controversy over the years. And honestly, all three of those are other episodes. And we have done ones on artificial flavors and also uh, artificial sweeteners. Basically, to sum up, um, more research needs to be done on artificial sweeteners because what research we do have is pretty new and has traditionally been pretty tainted by the influence of the sugar industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as artificial flavors go, they aren't necessarily any um, more hazardous than or even any molecularly different from natural flavors because the term natural in this instance means that a flavor was produced from a plant or animal. That can include uh, bacteria or yeast in a laboratory. Um, Artificial just means that it was something created in a laboratory via chemical and or mechanical processes. So these flavors can be, like, chemically identical. Um, It's it's not necessarily better. Some artificial flavors are, like, kind of a product of a petroleum situation. I, it's it's complicated. You really have to go into what specific ones are being used. Right. And if you go to that episode, you will learn what I thought was very fascinating about the how the artificial banana flavor, a lot of people think it doesn't taste like yeah. banana. And also, blue raspberry. Mm-hmm. What is that? 
It is a specific thing. It is. Well, there you uh-huh. go. That's the answer. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my answer to, to every what is it question from now on. It's yeah. a specific thing. It's mixed up the, the layout of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it says, I don't know. <laughs> what do I look like? An expert? <laughs> It's not what I've ever said that I was, y'all. Um, uh, <laughs> we have not done an episode yet on artificial colors, and we need to. That's a that's a thing that we should do that I'm going to get a huge headache from. I can already tell. Yes. Um, but I guess, okay, if we're going to sum up the idea of the nutrition of Kool-Aid, which I laugh as I say because it's <laughs> laughable. Um, uh, okay, like it's good to hydrate. Yes. Um, and so if flavor and color helps someone do that, that's fine. Um we should all be limiting our sugar intake, um, but treats are nice to have. So, I, you, you know, I don't know, do what you like. Um, I will say that the products all do contain a pretty good dose of vitamin C. Hmm. Also surprised. But there you go. Uh, partially because it's a flavoring as well as a, a vitamin kind of thing. It right. helps with that acidic pop. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, numbers-wise, these days, yeah, you can find Kool-Aid in over 20 flavors. I counted 25 currently on their website, but I don't think the entire line was necessarily represented. Yeah, because they have so much. It's all over the place. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you've got the standards, and and yes, Sharkleberry Finn, who can forget, which if you're curious, is an orange-strawberry-banana mixture because, of course, it's obvious (laughs) Sharkleberry Finn is that. Um, And so many flavors lost to time, like Purple Saurus Rex, Pink Swamingo, Great (laughs) Blue Dini, (laughs) Scary Black Cherry, and Rockadile Red. Great Blue Dini was fascinating because the powder was green, but it would turn blue when you added the water. Oh, that's like my, remember when I did those fancy drinks at yeah. D&D that one time? It was like gin, and I had those blue petals in there, mm-hmm. butterfly pea blossoms, and you put the acid in, and it changes colors. It's wild. It was pretty wild. Cool. Pretty yeah. Cool. <laughs> um. <laughs> Right, right now, um, uh, there there is a Twitter account that belongs to the brand, uh, and it currently features an image that says on it, Mystery Jammers, Cotton Candy. And I feel like that's some kind of threat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I sat up a little straighter when you said that. Uh, mystery Jammer. Oh, no. <laughs> cotton Candy. I also, Cotton Candy... See the, the the artificial flavors that I dislike tend to be the like the like bakey ones, like anything uh, that has kind of like a fake baked good taste. I'm like, right. yeah. yeah, right up there, grape. What is it? Anyway, um, said Twitter account by the way, at Kool Aid, K O O L A I D, is purportedly run by the Kool Aid Man. No, oh, uh huh, uh-huh. uh huh. It has. 76.9 thousand followers and it is trippy it's it's mostly like the word oh yeah <laughs> in various ways oh wow i'm going to have to I, check this out i really don't know how i feel about it <laughs> i am going to have to check this out cuz i was just thinking how funny would it be if there was like a really serious docudrama on the Kool-Aid man <laughs> and his life, like think of the struggles he'd have getting through doorways and just moving about in the world. If anyone jostled you know? him and that precious red berry Kool-Aid red freeze or whatever goes spilling out. Right? Gonna... Like what like what happens when he spills? Exactly. And then what kind of anthropomorphic picture? Has this many followers and is tweeting just trippy <laughs> versions of, oh, yeah. that I need to know the psychology of this. Yeah. I mean, does he, does he say things other than, oh, yeah? Ooh. These are the questions we need to know. <sighs> Heavy sigh indeed. 
Um, well, well, if anyone has any information on that, please send it our way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people have actually used Kool-Aid for all kinds of things, from dyeing hair. Uh, Kurt Cobain did it. My biggest thing, I had a friend who used to do it. And I was like, but the bugs, though. What about, what about bugs? What about bugs? And, like, staining things. I don't know about this. Um, people, uh, speaking of staining, people do use it for staining all kinds of things, like oh, yeah. Easter eggs. I read it cleans toilets. People have used it for that. I find it. I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but I don't know about that. Uh, me, me neither. I, I will say that there are a whole lot of like crafts and and kind of sciency prod like learning projects online using mm-hmm. unsweetened Kool Aid packets. Yeah, I mean, when you get down to it, they're they're food safe dyes, so makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe that would help with the bugs. Uh-huh. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Kool-Aid mustaches are a thing. Uh, And developers invented a line of invisible flavors for people wanting to avoid it. And this led to a similar debate uh, around, like, Doritos and the powder, you know? Mm, mm -hmm. Where some people came out really strongly that, oh, that's a part of the experience. You want everyone to know you can have your Kool-Aid. You want to dye your lips and gums and tongue, mm-hmm. whatever color. Right. It's but, important. Yes. But I would say a lot more people in this instance, as compared to the Doritos, were like, no, I actually really don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something else I didn't know, you can deep fry it. You can deep fry Kool-Aid. You can deep fry anything if you're trying hard enough. True. Um, there, there are there are lots of food uses for for Kool Aid. If you are so inclined, you can use it to add flavor and color to frozen desserts, baked goods, pancakes, popcorn, candy, pickles, mm-hmm. uh, even as a marinade for meats and seafood. Don't we have a jar of Kool Aid pickles at our long forgotten office? Um, I think Ramsey had them. We either have them. Or they were eaten by Jonathan Strickland. Mm. And I'm not sure which it is. (laughs) In either case, I don't have any particular interest in seeking them out (laughs) at this current juncture. It's it's a whole thing. Kool-Aid pickles are a whole cultural phenomenon in certain parts of the South. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. they're, you really don't get a whole lot of flavor from them. Like, it's mostly still pickle flavor, but I don't know. Okay. All right. Maybe mm-hmm. one day. There is a black market of vintage Kool-Aid packet collectors. Now, this was one of the most fascinating. I went on a deep mm-hmm. dive of this. There's a lot written about it. These packets can run you hundreds of dollars. Yeah. It's serious. There is a market that people watch of mm-hmm. vintage Kool-Aid packets. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Kool-Aid man himself, as we've kind of been hinting at, is something of a cultural phenomenon. Uh, at one point during the late 80s or early 90s, apparently over 90% of American kids could identify Kool-Aid man on site. Whoo! Wow. <laughs> um, this was helped along by perhaps the video games, because they were not one of them. There were two of them. Two Mm -hmm. Kool-Aid Man video games and a short-lived comic series. He's appeared on The Simpsons, on a Macy's Day parade float, and in the music video for All I Really Want for Christmas by Lil Jon. And that music video has millions of views. And also, I think this is the third time we've had, like, Chef Boyardee. There was an interesting mashup for a music video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This was a genre of music I didn't know was out there. Neither did I. I um <laughs> I I guess this is one of the many ways in which I am not truly tuned into pop culture. Mm, yeah, we're really missing out. We'll have to fix that. Well, that I think is a project for another day. Um but we do have some Kool-Aid history for you. We do. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... Kool-Aid was the invention of Edwin Perkins in Hastings, Nebraska in the 1920s. Perkins was born in 1889 in Lewis, Iowa, but spent most of his childhood in Hindley, Nebraska. And he grew up working in his father's general store. As a child, he was really interested in this hot new powdered product you may have heard of, Jell-O. He convinced his father to stock it at the store. Uh Um, And it was just, he found it so, at least from what I read, and this is me sort of projecting, but it sounded like it was something he was just so inspired by. It's like, Hmm. look at this thing. When he was older, he started making some of his own products to sell directly to customers, things like perfume and bluing. Uh, Bluing in the sense, by the way, because I had to look it up, uh, is a chemical that's used to help whiten white fabrics. Yes. It's not confusing in the name at all, but... Uh. You know? You know? No Um, one asked me. (laughs) They should have, Lauren. They should have. (laughs) Perkins designed the labels and advertising for these products himself and printed them on his own printing press. And he saw enough success to open his own mail order company called the Perkins Product Company. Now that is clear. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) To better meet his distribution needs, Perkins relocated to Hastings, Nebraska in 1920. And his inventory grew to include things like creams, medicines, smoking cessation products, and food flavorings, including something called Fruit Smack. (laughs) Fruit Smack. Fruit Smack. A liquid soft drink concentrate that came in six flavors. And he had these representatives that went from door to door selling these products. Now guess what his most popular product was. Yep. It was the fruit smack, even though I've read a lot of <laughs> accounts about how the name is kind of intimidating. It is. I, uh, I again, feel like this is sort of a threat. Yes. This sounds like you get a knock on the door, you open the door, <laughs> and it's a fruit, and they just smack you on the cheek and then walk away. And that's, huh. yeah, that's your day. <laughs> However, the production of Fruit Smack caused a lot of headaches of the product. Uh, the four-ounce corked bottles were heavy. They broke in transport. They leaked. They were expensive. So, once again, inspired by Jello, he and his team got to work on removing the liquid so that a powder remained by experimenting with the ratios of flavoring, food coloring, citric and tartaric acids, and dextrose. He designed an envelope to put the powder in and changed the name to 
Kool-Aid, then spelled uh, A-D-E instead of A-I-D. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 cents an envelope, available in six flavors. Cherry, raspberry, orange, strawberry, lemon, lime, and grape. And these, perhaps obviously, were much, much easier to ship out. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for, anytime I see the year 1920 in the United States, it's, it's hard not to feel like prohibition didn't sure. have something to do with the popularity of this product. Um, for similar reasons, this was also when Coca-Cola was taking off, and we talked about that a little bit in our uh, soda episode. Mm-hmm. So Perkins changed the spelling a few years later, and it's sort of the stuff of legend as to why, but the most accepted stories suggest he did it because the government prevented him from selling a drink named Aid, A-D-E, like lemonade or limeade, when there wasn't any fruit juice in it. Oh, okay. Right. The hyphenated name was an homage to Jello, and he, huh. yeah, he used that kind of naming hyphen naming way uh, on several of his product names. So makes sense, but mystery's history, I suppose. Hmm. Kool Aid first was only available in candy and grocery stores, but in 1929 it became available to food brokers and distributed to stores nationwide. Only five years later, in 1934, Kool-Aid made the jump to the overseas market. Perkins tried other products like pie filling and Kool-Aid bubblegum, but none of them were as great a success as Kool-Aid, which became the company's sole focus in 1931. The Perkins product company relocated to Chicago that same year. The price of Kool-Aid got halved to five cents during the Great Depression, and it was seen as somewhat as a, an affordable luxury. Mm-hmm. Just for reference, this powder that would produce an entire pitcher most of the time, depending on what you're getting, was the same price as a single bottle of Coke. Oh, I did the Southern thing. I called it Coke. Oh, <laughs> Coca-Cola. <laughs> and this strategy paid off. And sales skyrocketed, going from almost $400,000 in 1931 to $1,564,292 in 1936. Well, dang. Yes. Well, dang indeed. Dang indeed. Sales did take a hit with the sugar rationing of World War II, but they took off once again after those rations were lifted. 323 million packets were being sold a year by 1930. 50. Who? Mm-hmm. In 1953, the company was bought by General Foods, which is the same parent company as Jell-O. And they wasted no time in introducing a new mascot for the product, the Smiling Face Pitcher, or Pitcher Man, also sounds threatening, in 1954. <laughs> uh, and Pitcher Man was the creation of an advertising exec by the name of Marvin Potts. Uh, though company lore says that Perkins himself came up with the idea after watching his children draw faces in the condensation on a window. Oh. Uh, uh, and at first, Pitcher Man was just a pitcher with a with a moving face, no no arms and legs. Oh gosh, I don't know. Like that feels creepier to me, but I don't know if it actually is because I have gotten used to the arms and legs. I feel like the arms and legs are creepier. You think? But, but I guess if the pitcher was trying to move around in the world, yes. like, is it just like a floating pitcher? Because that's weird. It's does it like just fun. does it just move towards you? Like it's using the force to kind of slide? That's not good. No, no. It feels very scary, in fact. Well, <laughs> it was clearly a less mobile mascot. Yes. Um, And he, I don't know, maybe for that reason, was not an immediate hit. Um, Through the 1960s, Kool-Aid preferred uh, using um, uh, celebrities like Bugs Bunny and the Monkees as spokespeople instead. Mm -hmm. Perkins and his wife set up foundations and donated to hospitals, universities, and other institutions before he died in 1961, leaving a $45 million estate. A pre-sweetened version of Kool-Aid was developed in 1964 and was refined in 1970. In 1971, um, small note here, uh, session jazz and R&B drummer Paul Humphrey um, recorded this record under the band name Paul Humphrey and the Kool-Aid Chemists, uh, spelled C-O-O-L, no hyphen, A-I-D. Oh, whoa. Yeah. 
Um, and their track, Kool-Aid, spelled the same way, reached number 29 on the U.S. charts. Wow. Two song shout-outs already. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a... Maybe that's a whole episode. We we have been talking about doing strange, like, celebrity products. Or, or maybe strange isn't the right word, but unexpected. Yeah. And, and entertainment tie-ins. So perhaps we should have one that's just songs. Oh. <laughs> <And> bands. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. No, that that would be fun. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that our um, our executive producer Christopher Hasiotis has been like low key pitching that for a long time. I think you are correct. So we'll get him on it. We'll get him on the case. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, hard pivot <laughs> though. Uh, in 1978, oh, yeah. Jim Jones led the mass suicide of 900 people, men, women, and children, in the Jamestown massacre, and he did this by convincing them. They'd get to paradise if they drank a grape-flavored drink laced with cyanide made with Flavor-Aid, a product similar to Kool-Aid and probably also Kool-Aid. There's a lot of debate about it. Yeah, or possibly a third brand um, or generic brand. No one no one is right. Historians argue about this. They do. And in either case, this led to the expression, drink the Kool-Aid and also later, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Um meaning to recklessly buy in and be devoted to something or to not do that in the case of adding the negative. Um, Mm -hmm. Both products, Flavor-Aid and Kool-Aid, were photographed at the scene and the original coroner's report listed Kool-Aid with a C. Um, So why do we say Kool-Aid and not Flavor-Aid in this expression? It seems to be largely brand recognition. Huh. Yeah, and Kool-Aid was and is more recognizable. But... Also, rewind to a decade earlier, Tom Wolfe's The Electric Acid Kool-Aid Test was published in 1968. And this was a nonfiction account of two people traveling around the U.S. in a party bus. I haven't read it, so I don't know if I would use that term, but a lot of people in describing it called it a party bus. Convincing people who hadn't tried drugs to try electric acid, which was Kool-Aid with LSD. And it contains the first negative instance of the phrase drink, the Kool-Aid. Um, it, he was describing, uh, the author was describing an instance where someone, it was really had a bad effect when he drank oh, sure. the Kool-Aid. And a lot of Americans associated pressuring someone to do something or to drink Kool-Aid as an urging to drink something with drugs in it. So that could also be why part of the reason. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was a, you never know where the research will go. Uh, y- yes. And probably at both of those are, are conversations for different shows other than this one. Yes. Yes. Um, so let's get back to the Kool-Aid man. Yes. And his destructive entrances. So uh, so the mascot was revived in 1975, and at that point, given arms and legs and uh, maybe a voice for the first time, um, that, that voice was supposedly one Richard Berg, who was working as a composer for uh, Gray Advertising, and advertising who was working on the campaign at the time. And apparently, the destructive entrances almost didn't happen. Um, someone suggested the Kool-Aid man needed a big entrance in the 1980s. And someone else suggested, well, what if he runs through a wall? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Answer's apparent. And the rest yep. is history. It was a resounding success. Yeah. Um, th- those video games that you mentioned earlier uh, for the Atari 2600 and the Intellivision systems, um, plus those comics, uh, which launched first under Marvel and continued in Archie Comics, they all started coming out um, in 1983. And I I cannot personally confirm, but I've read it written that the storylines all involved, the, the Kool-Aid man fighting against the evil thirsties. Um the thirsties. The, thir- the thirsties oh, no. being these kind of like kind of like gremlin like creatures. Um and and they were thirsty. Oh dear. I <laughs> oh dear. I think the video games also involved like you had to like collect the ingredients to make Kool-Aid and then you had to make Kool-Aid out of them. 
in some way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I hope I can only hope yeah. they were like a point. There was a point system for how uh, destructive your entrance actually was. Oh, see, that would be a much better video game, right? I think so. And also, I feel like there was a real missed opportunity here. I didn't know it was Marvel. Um, he could have been <laughs> in the Avengers. And he would have been a oh. great, like, they're having a serious talk. Cap is giving his passionate speech. <laughs> and then, boom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he ruins everything, basically. He's that that character. Oh, I... You know, but I think that him and and the Hulk would have really gotten along. That's true. The Hulk could have had a friend, like a a Hulk buddy friend. I guess he did get that eventually, but they could have bonded in a way that perhaps the Hulk was missing. But what if like, what if like the Hulk gets like confused and just drinks the Kool-Aid man? Well, that would be a tragic storyline. And you know, you do need the tragic element in these things. And the Hulk would have to deal with the guilt of what he'd done. Oh, poor Bruce. Yeah, he'd Bruce be like, would really beat himself up for that one. He would, and he would remember how great it tasted and how <laughs> that so conflicted over that. Uh, because he's so refreshed, but so sad. <laughs> so refreshed, but so sad. The Bruce Banner story. <laughs> that would be that storyline. Uh, <laughs> I honestly don't know why we're not why why Marvel is not breaking down our door every day every Just day like trying to man. get us on the team. I I don't either honestly. I think we've we've had some gold <laughs> <laughs> ideas. Uh um <laughs> Anyway, uh yes, this the the early 80s was also I believe around the time that Kool-Aid points were introduced, and this was a this was a marketing campaign where um, where on Kool Aid packaging, um, each each package would have a little a little logo with like the Kool Aid Man picture and a number printed on it, and you could collect those and mail them in, um, and the number um, corresponded to points that you could redeem for branded Kool Aid products, um, and. Like, for example, you, you could get one of those video games for 125 packets worth of Kool-Aid points, which is enough to make 62 and a half gallons of Kool-Aid. <laughs> so I'm not sure how long you would have to be collecting these in order to yeah. actually get anything for them. Right. It depend on your, the rate of consumption, I, I imagine. Yeah. 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 Well, I went through that phase with... Um, when Star Wars Episode One came out, I was right at the like I was eight or nine, and the Doritos had something similar. Uh. And let me tell you, I bought a bunch of Doritos <laughs> that were never eaten, and mm. I eventually I have a whole collection of items I got from that campaign, including. Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually want to go and rescue it from my house because uh, one of them was actually a really sweet backpack. And uh, huh. I love backpacks, so I need to go get that. But that was all my Doritos. I just bought bags and bags. Huh. Yeah, I I remember collecting Kool-Aid points at least one summer. Mm-hmm. And I definitely never redeemed them for anything. Because I think I had like six. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, you know? like Yeah. That's when you just get a letter back. Like, thanks for enjoying our products. And not even yeah, a coupon right. is in there. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, Lauren. <laughs> can't win all of the branded campaigns. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but as you said at the top, the, the Kool-Aid man, at one point, certainly, um, well, no, he is one of the most recognizable food mascots up there mm-hmm. and possibly even surpassing Ronald McDonald at one time. Ooh. I know. He's pretty much stayed generally the same over the years, too. He did, okay, this I find fascinating. His age <laughs> shifted from 7 to 14 at one point, so he could, like, wear sunglasses and play guitar. But I totally thought the Kool-Aid man, like, man being in the name was 43 or something. <laughs> uh. <sighs> Like, is it Kool-Aid pitcher years? Like, dog years? Is there something going on like that? Uh, I definitely assumed that that was an adult anthropomorphic pitcher of Kool-Aid. Um, <laughs> because because of the deep voice. You know, he's got yes. this, like, kind of, like, Barry White sort of voice. Supposedly, the voice was influenced by Barry White. Like, that's not a child's voice. No. We are unearthing more questions <laughs> than we're answering about the Kool-Aid, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I think this is going to haunt me at night. <laughs> um, I, I'm so sorry, but man, I really hope that you have a nightmare about the Kool-Aid man and that you report back. <laughs> I will. I'm sorry. I absolutely will. And I foresee it in my future. I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Well, I'm not the only one that has probably had or will have nightmares about the Kool-Aid man because... Time Magazine named him one of the creepiest mascots of all time in 2011. <laughs> so, this is stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to see his hulking shape emerge. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, General Foods merged with Kraft in 1988. And uh, dare I say, this is perhaps when some of the really surreal aspects of Kool-Aid Man kind of ramped up. Um, the the ad dude who wound up with the brand at that time, um, one Robert Scholar, um, says that he was inspired by stuff like Pee-wee's Playhouse and um, Peter Gabriel's music video for Sledgehammer, if you remember that one. Um, <laughs> uh, Scholar says that he did once try on the um, the Kool-Aid Man costume himself. Uh, it was made of fiberglass, and he said that it was like being inside of a Christmas ornament. <laughs> he also says that he once got Richard Berg, the original voice of the Kool-Aid Man, to show up at, at his, Scholar's, child's sixth birthday party in the costume um, so that he could do the voice uh-huh. in the costume, too, you know. Um, and he And he reported about this I quote, and half the kids were frightened to death. (laughs) Yep, the appropriate response. But a birthday to remember. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Uh, And uh, a shout out to our friends over at uh, at Mental Floss for scoring that interview. Um, The the full article, if you would like to read it, is called Jug Life, (laughs) A History of the Kool-Aid Man. (laughs) That's that's pretty excellent, yeah. Mm Uh, um, also around this time, due largely to the, to that General Foods craft merger, I think, there were some really spectacularly strange flavors and brand tie-ins. Um, my favorite of which is, um, <laughs> Yabba Dabba Dewberry, uh-huh. which was a flavor of Kool-Aid that was only available inside of specially marked boxes of Fruity Pebbles cereal, circa 1988. Wow. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I, I didn't realize that this was in my brain somewhere, but, like, the the combination of words that is yabba-dabba-dooberry, like, really awakened something inside of me, like, like Cthulhu rising from the depths. I was just <laughs> like, why is this in my mind? What? Okay. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... This episode, y'all. It, yeah, because now I'm envisioning the Kool-Aid van as Cthulhu, and there's even, like, a Cthulhu. You could do a... It's there. Cthulhu. <laughs> See? He rises up out of the water. His picture... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Yeah, this is awakening something in me, too. Oh. <laughs> um, so, Kool-Aid was named the official soft drink... Of Nebraska in 1998, which my southern <laughs> sensibilities find very funny. Yeah, yeah. To me, soft drink means something different. Yes, um, yes. It means, it means with bubbles. But uh, but now that I think about it, soft drink just means without alcohol. So, sure. Yeah, sure. And then let's up the, the terror factor even more. <laughs> uh, in 2013, the Kool-Aid man went, oh, 3D. Yeah. That's right. 3D. The Milwaukee Magazine wrote that the impetus for the change was to, quote, be less about breaking through brick walls and shouting, oh yeah, and more about making friends. <laughs> Using the latest 3D technology, Kraft has simulated a dewy coating of condensation on the man's, and I just want to note, man is capitalized here, on the man's exterior, making him appear more fragile and lifelike than he has in the past decades. So maybe he's just a fragile soul. I stumbling I around speechless. in this confusing I, world trying to make friends. Maybe it's as surreal for him as it is for us. That's fair. We need to be more empathetic to these mascots. Uh, we do. Yeah. Lesson learned. Powerful lesson. <laughs> All right, Kool-Aid man. 
Um, <laughs> and I just want to say future episode Tang. Because Ooh, yeah. I've always been curious about the space aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Tang. One day. All right. I'm into it. All right. All right. Well, I think that's what we have to say about Kool-Aid and the Kool-Aid man for today. For today, mm-hmm. yes. Um, we, we do have some listener mail for you, though. But uh, first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... Oh, yeah. You have to do it. (laughs) You have to do it. Um, So, Rose, a frequent listener and sender of delicious, delicious items to us, uh, Mm -hmm. wrote about her experience with Fugu. um, And she says to read it with Sophia from Golden Girls Voice. But to my great shame, I have never seen Golden Girls. I know. I just clutched my pearls, Annie Reese. She did. Oh my heck. Okay. She did. Um, wow. I really grew up with Golden Girls. Designing Women was like too Southern for me. I didn't really get a lot of the references, but Golden Girls was my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I will love it. Uh, and I've been I got it on my list. Who is B. Arthur's character? Uh, Dorothy. Dorothy. I've been told I'm a Dorothy, but I don't know. I'd say I'd say that's pretty accurate. I um I I aspire to be a Sophia. I'm afraid some days that I'm more a Rose, but uh <laughs> but I aspire to a Sophia. Which one is Betty White? Rose. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I yeah, I got I gotta watch this. I gotta figure it out. Our good friend Ramsey, who's been on the show before, has Golden Girls tiki mugs. And uh, he was the one that was like, if you have to watch this, I will never let you use one until you watch it and you figure out what character you are. Um, I think he's, That's great. Yeah, I think he said he was the one that you said you were. Uh, so Yeah, yeah, the Sophia. Yeah, yeah no, he's, I, he's definitely a Sophia. All right, all right. Well, golden girls aside, I will fix that. Uh, sorry, okay. I can't do the voice, but maybe later, maybe one day. Picture it. The first day of New Year's Tokyo, Japan, 2008, Year of the Rat. I was invited to my Flickr friend Micah, hmm, Micah or Mika's house for a traditional Japanese New Year's meal. 
When I arrived, it was actually her parents' house and her extended family was there, including her uncle, a jovial elderly man who loved beer and talking about American football. <laughs> Turns out he was the owner of a very well-regarded fugu restaurant just behind the famous Ginza Kabuki House. On the spot, he invited me to a meal at his restaurant. Dying, haha, for a chance to finally try fugu, <laughs> I accepted the offer. A few weeks later, in late January, I arrived one cold, dark night to his restaurant. My friend Micah, or Mika, in tow as our translator. Having a few weeks to prepare, I read all I could about fugu as I was a little nervous about what to expect. Just the day before, a woman and her husband had died of fugu poisoning. She had bought some fugu on the black market and attempted to prepare it at home. Oh. Yeah. I also read that the Yakuza loved using the liver to poison their enemies. So fugu chefs were required to have a record of all the fugu that came into their restaurants and a trash can that was chained to the floor and locked. <laughs> wow. The livers were put into the trash can and taken away by police at regular intervals. Finally, there are other versions of the Kabuki actor who died from the liver. The one I heard was a famous sumo wrestler upon winning the final bout thought himself invincible. He went to the nearest fugu purveyor and ate not one, but several. The number varies depending on the storyteller and died on the spot. Hmm. As for the tingly sensation of death, the most skilled fugu chefs are supposed to have the ability to leave just enough Poison it behind to give the mild <laughs> sensation in your mouth. Far from it being a food for thrill seekers, it is a pause to contemplate the shortness of life. Much yeah. like how Japanese enjoy the cherry blossoms for their fleeting beauty. Taking in all of this, I sat down for my fugu meal. We are shuttled into a private room of the tiny fugu restaurant, and shortly after, Chef Uncle comes out. He <laughs> greets us warmly and announced that he's closed his restaurant tonight so he could entertain us. Oh. Yeah. Then he pours us all large beers, including one for himself, and we have a drink. Feeling confused, hmm. nervous, and overwhelmed, I drink. Then comes the hmm. first course, which was the skin, the part that's supposed to give you the toxic tingle and the chrysanthemum of death plate of impossibly thin-sliced fugu. The skin was tough and rubbery and did give the slightest tingle for just a moment. The sashimi, though, was beyond belief. In its raw form, it was sweet and buttery, by far the best fish I have ever eaten in my life to this very day. In that moment, I saw why so much effort has been taken to tame such a poisonous fish. It is freaking delicious, y'all. <laughs> Pleased with how much I am enjoying the fugu, Chef Uncle brings out course after course, each time stopping to have a beer with us. <laughs> At this point in life, I drink very little, and I was tipsy after just a beer, but Chef Uncle was getting drunk as the night progressed. Very <laughs> concerned and alarmed, I asked my friend if this was okay. What about the poisonous liver? I was starting to second guess that tingly sensation that was still present <laughs> in my mouth. Was that beer or was that the poison slowly killing me? And are these the last happy moments of my life? <laughs> then my friend and her uncle let me in on a big secret. The vast majority of fugu in Japan is now processed in central facilities where fugu is broken down with surgeon-like precision using lasers to cut out the liver and then the fugu is screened for any remaining toxins before going to restaurants and other markets. The number of fugu restaurants that are allowed to prepare live fugu on-site is less than 100 across the entire country. That tingly sensation I felt? Sancho or Szechuan peppercorns. <laughs> Slightly relieved and intoxicated myself, I enjoyed the very best part of the meal, fugu hot pot. Oh my goodness, that is easily one of the top 10 meals of my life. The fugu is rich and flaky when boiled and really hard to compare to any other fish. Honestly, it was more akin to crab in both flavor and texture than any fish. I did ask to see Chef Uncle's special trash can, which he still had. Now long empty since the lasers took over, but a relic hmm. from when he did have to prepare them himself. I asked if he missed the old days, and he said no. He likes being able to entertain his customers and drink with them. <laughs> since coming back to the States, I too heard that a very few select restaurants in the U.S. are allowed to serve fugu. Fugu must be processed in Japan at one of those laser facilities and can only be sold to U.S. markets in winter. Turns out fugu have less toxins in winter than in summer. For this reason, fugu is by and large considered a winter food and is especially popular as hot pot even in Japan. You can eat fugu all year round, but it's more expensive at these times as they must go through the screening. Oh, that's okay. 
I want to try this so badly. It sounds oh, amazing. It sounds so delicious. Yes, yeah. yes. And I this sounds like a wonderful experience. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I do love still all these legends around it, around the Yakuza using it. And <laughs> I, I love that. Um, yeah, maybe one day we'll get to try it. And now there's lasers involved. Oh, my goodness. me! Right? Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like not enough of my restaurant-prepared meals have involved lasers. Yeah, yeah. That's so, that's a very James Bond territory. <laughs> um, I guess it's a certain type of, oh, I would love to go to like a super villains themed restaurant with food prepared by lasers. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I feel positive that someone has done this before. Uh, all right. <laughs> Next up on the research block. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Tim wrote, I've been listening to you two since episode one and look forward to each new episode. Your episode on peaches inspired me to write to you with a little fun fantasy fact about the lovely fruit. In the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson, uh, currently being made into a streaming TV show. Oh, I didn't know that, huh? Um, It is a well-known fact that peaches are poisonous. A common saying in the world of the series is, as surely as peaches are poison. I was struck by this as you mentioned that canned peaches seem to crop up, pun intended, in Armageddon slash apocalypse fiction as well as the South Carolina rivalry. The series centers around a group of people preparing to fight Armageddon. Spoiler alert. At one point, the protagonist is given a vision of a utopian world and thinks he has beaten the bad guy, but his first hint that something is amiss is when he runs across a vendor selling edible peaches. Robert Jordan, the creator of the series, is from South Carolina. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a classic. I've played that video game where you think you're done. Oh, no. Nope. And a little sign Mm-mm. start popping up that you are, in fact, far from done. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, yeah, I was into um, Wheel of Time, but I forgot about this. Uh, yeah, that that was totally. I haven't read the series in in years. I dropped off a long time ago, um, and uh, never never picked it back up. And I that is totally out of my brain. So yeah, huh. yeah. Thanks huh. for the nerdy reminder. We always love uh-huh. the nerdy oh, reminders. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yes. And we do have a super short bonus third message here. Andy wrote, "I just want to say that." The kids got to learn about Flavortown sometime should be your new sign-off, even if not all the time, but just once would be nice. I mean, it is pretty, it's true, and we should be imparting that wisdom more often. We should. Mm-hmm. We should. You know, yes. it's true. It's straight to the point. It is, and you know, that's that's part of the, it's part of the saver, uh, saver goal, you know? Yes, yes. The kids got to learn about Flavortown sometime. Well, thanks to all of those <laughs> listeners for writing in. We always love mm-hmm. hearing from you. And we would love to hear from you other listeners. If you would like to email us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And the kids gotta learn about Flavortown sometime. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. 
What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.